Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Freddie and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference call for today. Um, Shri, can you start our first question? Shant? Hello. Hello. Uh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a couple of questions here. I'm currently on H1 and I'm approved I-140. I'm working for a company A at location A. I got a full-time remote opportunity with company B at location B. Now, I want to relocate to location B. What about the LCA? I do not have a resident address at location B yet. For the LCA, can I share my friend's resident address? So you are looking to transfer, right, from company A to company B. So company B will file a new LCA. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Um, for company B, you know, wherever you are planning okay. to work is fine. If you'll be working remotely from home, your home address doesn't necessarily need to be in the same MSA as employer B's corporate office address. It's been very common to, you know, have a residential address as a home uh, work location, even if it's not in the same MSA as the company location. So just wherever you are physically planning to work for company B, let company B know so that they can put that address on the LCA. Okay. Okay. Uh, hi. Um, thanks for calling my name. Uh, I am an FN student. I recently got uh, a lottery picked up for H1 uh, this year, but the company that filed the uh, uh, filed the petition, uh, they they got it to withdraw it. So is there is a way that I can use my lottery selection and uh, based on the withdraw application, can I uh, move on to a different employer? And he can, could he, could they get the, uh, the transfer possible for that? Instead yes, going potentially. Um, so first of all, was your H-1B approved as a change of status with the I-94? No. It no, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new H1, uh, which got selected in this year. And the company A is withdrawn. So now I want to move to a company B. Okay, so uh, did company A withdraw it before it got approved? Yes. Okay, so it wasn't approved. And wasn't they've approved. already... It was not approved and they already withdrew it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, if the company withdraws the application before it gets approved, 
then there isn't really a way to still you you're not considered counted in the H1B cap. So there isn't a way to do an H1B transfer, unfortunately, at this point. Um, you would pretty much just have to plan to go through the lottery again next year and be selected again in order for company B to be able to file an H1B for you. In the meantime, if you are on an F1 visa, are you on OPT? Uh, yes. Okay. If the OPT is not expired, then, you know, it's still valid. You could move over to company B on that EAD. Um, but as for company B sponsoring you for the H1B, they would probably need to spot, uh, put you through the lottery again next March, unfortunately. Oh, okay. 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 Thank you. Next question. Nikin. Hi. Thanks for your time. So I have EB2 and EB3 I-485 application pending. Okay. And I have advanced parole with EB3 application, but EB3 I-140 is still pending. Uh, so if my question is like, uh, can I travel while I-140 is pending and will there yes. be any issue? No, the I-140 being pending does not affect the validity or your ability to use that advanced parole. If for some reason that I-140 is denied and uh, then that could affect it because if you're using it, if you're outside the country, when the I-140 gets denied for some reason, um, that would mean the I-485 is eventually going to be denied, which would invalidate that advanced parole. But, you know, unless that happens, you can yeah, use that. Means I have submitted premium processing and I got an RFE like two days ago. I'm not sure what exactly RFE is about. Okay. So I'm planning to sub, uh, go in December. So hopefully by that we we'll, can respond to RFE and then uh, if it gets approved, then obviously yeah, it's safe to travel. But uh, yeah. okay. And my yeah. second question is, uh, I have like uh, EB3 485 pending since June 2021. Now, can I change the job immediately after I-140 is approved, like that EB3? So even though my employer withdraws the application, I should be fine. I can still yes. have that EB3 yeah. active. Yeah, so if you're planning to use the AC21 portability to transfer from one employer to another, um, it's been, of course, well over the 180 days by now, but as you're probably aware, we usually recommend waiting until that I-140 is approved, even if it's mm -hmm. been 180 days before transferring. So yeah, if that EB-3 I-140 gets approved, then it should be fine to transfer to a same or similar occupation with a different company. And the new role is a supervisor role. And currently it's a senior engineer, so. That should be fine, as long as it's still in the general kind of engineering area that you've been doing, you know, if you're a supervisor in the same field of engineering that is listed on your I-140 form, then that should be fine. That falls under same or similar. It's only if it if you're kind of moving to an entirely different field or profession that it could be a problem. But if it's just a more senior role in the same area that your I-140 was filed in, that's fine. Okay, thank you. Abdul? Yeah, hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. 
Uh, I'm on H1B and I got my green card EAD and AP in 2021 after downgrading to EB3 and now upgraded back to EB2 in June 2021. Now my question is, if I join a new company on H1 transfer, what should be taken care to ensure that we do not have to file form and I-140 again to get the green card on the new job? When you say that you, yeah, when you say that you upgraded back to EB2, do you mean that um, that one I-485 that you filed, you uh, submitted the J supplement to interfile yes. it, to move it to EB2? Okay, exactly. so you didn't I refile a mm -hmm. second I-485. Okay, so you just have one single I-485 pending. Mm -hmm. That was originally I-145J as well. Okay. And uh, you're considering moving to a different company now? Mm -hmm. and yep. I want mm -hmm. to make sure that there isn't a need to redo the perm with the new company. Yes. Um, let's see. So, okay. Then the EB2 I-140 should definitely be approved, I assume, with the yep. underlying I-45 right now. Uh, yeah, that should be fine as long as you are moving to a company to a uh, position that is same or similar to the one that's described in your approved EB2 I140. Um, then that is fine. The new company wouldn't need to uh, do a new perm or I140 for you. So that's the, one of the benefits of having the I485 filed and pending for over 180 days. Awesome, thank you. So my new employer were saying like my SOC code or the software engineering code, that mm -hmm. should be, if it is a software development application, software application development, then it should be fine. So, so yeah. If okay. your I-140, for example, had the SOC code that was anywhere in the 15 category, 15-something, yes. yeah. and then the position you're moving to is also 15-something, even if it's not the exact same code, mm -hmm. um, if it's still in that 15 category, I would say that's fine. That's same awesome. or similar. Okay, sounds good. I want more last question. Let's say, for example, I am... Uh, are now transferring, but uh, the uh, my dependent EAD and AP, uh, they are still pending. Like we filed for the renewal of AP and EAD. So these applications are pending. So will it affect my uh, the process if I do H1 transfer either way around? Oh, so you're planning to move over to the new company on H1B? H1B, but my underlying, my dependents AP and EAD, they are, we just filed it. It is in, it is in mm -hmm. pending state. Only EAD and AP. That's fine. They won't be affected by filing an H1B transfer. Um, even if you were to, if you have the EAD and AP already for you, you could potentially use that to move over to the new company. Um, you don't have to do the H1B transfer. Um, and also that wouldn't affect your um, family's pending EAD AP renewals either. But that's uh, you know up to you if you if the company is willing to do the H one B transfer and you're fine with staying on H one B, then you could do that. Okay. Awesome. Um, but my EAD, yeah, sorry, but my EAD and AP is not not tied to my EB two and EB three category, right? No, it's just EB tied to your I four eight five since you only have one I four eight five application. As long as that's pending, then the EAD APs are valid. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. Ravi, sorry, Shree, can you repeat? Hi. Me? Oh, hi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Uh, 
thanks for the opportunity uh, currently i am applying for the us tourist visa so my question is in the ds160 application form there is a question do you have any immediate relatives in the united states so to answer that question i have my biological sister who is already staying in usa and i have been adopted into a, another family right after my birth so should i select yes or no for that question if it is no will it be a false information as per the immigration uh, and if it is yes then what is the proof required uh, to show the sibling relationship with my biological sister um let's see okay so she's your biological sister but i guess legally not your sister because you were adopted okay. right is that okay correct? ஒன் ஒன்னும் <laughs> Okay, if year. you're not coming to visit your sister, I don't think you have to provide any proof of your biological relationship to her. Okay, if it is no, then will it be a false information of yeah, so uh, hiding? I think you should answer yes, but I don't think you need to gather any documents to okay. prove it okay. if you're not going to okay. be with her. Okay, just an extension to that question. Since she is having a biological relationship with me, in the future time if i get any possibility to get the sponsorship for the green card from my biological sister is it possible to get even though i have been adopted to another family or there is no option like that i am not sure on that actually because um our office focuses more on employment based so you may want to consult with an attorney that kind of specializes in family based immigration on that question Okay. okay no problem so for sr no question the answer is yes i would recommend answering yes or you know disclosing more than not enough okay next okay. question okay thank you that's all from me vinod kumar hi thanks for taking my my question is related h4 dependent visa okay. i applied for visa for my spouse for the first time uh, she got 221g and uh, making it as an admin processing and after uh, recently my i797 got updated and my extension was updated so that i tried for the second time in the second time we got to know that uh, the reason is due to marrying to the first cousin okay it is legal in washington state and they just keep in admin processing still so what is the option i have to over here You may need to schedule a consultation with Rahul on that issue. Actually, I am not quite as familiar with um, the arguments to make at the consulate when they are asking about um, 
the first cousin marriage issue, actually, um, because I know that because Rahul is an attorney in India also, I think he usually kind of provides some advice on how to answer that, that kind of references the Indian marriage laws. So mm-hmm. I probably would not be able to answer that right now. Um, I would say if you're able to rejoin on Monday and check with Rahul, um, you should be in this conference then, or you can set up a separate um, appointment with him, a consultation with him to discuss. Okay. okay. I agree. Nope. Thank you. Sure. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Vishnu. Thanks for calling mm-hmm. my name. I'm sorry, uh, it's lunchtime here. Uh, my, I'm a physician resident on a J-1 visa. Uh, my wife is a physician fellow on an H-1B visa who has recently applied for uh, national interest waiver, uh, green card or permanent residency. Uh, my question for you is, um, can I file for, or is there a possibility for me to get a waiver of the J-1 visa waiver? Um, I've heard that there is a, this pathway or this option called as extraordinary hardship? Mm-hmm. That's my first question. Yes, so there is a potential uh, way to apply for that. Actually, did our office file for your wife's NIW petition? Okay, I know your wife. I know she emailed me right recently and I've been meaning to email her back to set up. Uh, hi, Akil, how are you? <laughs> yeah. So I think y'all are muted, but um, yeah, I have been meaning to uh, email you back to set up a time to discuss with um, another attorney in our office who um, specializes more in the J-1 waiver. So um, he should have some availability next week. So I'll probably contact you back by email to set up a time when all of us can get on a call to discuss specifically for your case. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Rahul? Yeah, hi, thank you for calling me. Um, so my situation is uh, that my company is filing for my H-1B, my uh, wife's H-4 and H-4 EAD extension altogether. Uh, and we were advised that since it's going to expire soon, that uh, once the H-1B gets approved in premium, that we travel outside um, the U.S. so that I can get the I-1, I-94 extensions um, and mm-hmm. be eligible for the uh, extension. Uh, but we just wanted to see, I mean, if there are com- company restrictions or because the our attorneys had said that not to travel after this, uh, or if there are personal reasons in which we then can't travel, is there any other alternative or those that that's my only option for her? Yeah, that seems to be the main way to get the 540-day EAD auto renewal, right? That's what you're trying to get for correct, your correct. Okay, yeah. That does seem to be the main way right now because there isn't really a way with USCIS so far to expedite the I-539 application unless you are in a healthcare profession. Um, If you're in a healthcare profession, we can request an expedite for healthcare workers. Otherwise, um, the main thing you need to be careful of if you're going to try for that auto extension is to travel and come back before the H-4 I-94 expires. Make sure that is still valid uh, when you're coming back. Um, we also recommend that the H1, both of you, the H1B and H4 visa holders travel together because 
CVP is more likely to give both of you the longer end date if you're traveling together rather than if the H4 is traveling on their own. And we do recommend traveling by air because um, we have heard that people are having much more difficulty with that from land border patrol officials, especially at Laredo. Um, if you're so going travel to travel to and back air or travel by air over there and then come back to land? Um, definitely coming back by air, although probably there and back on by air is probably best. Um, also go for longer than 24 hours. Don't just, you know, plan to go and turn around and come back because we've also seen issues with that. Um, plan to just go for a weekend or something to like kind of a tourist location. When you're coming back to the U.S., don't give the reason or going there or coming back, don't give the reason of the trip as trying to get an I-94 extension. Just say you're going, you know, for a weekend to Cancun or wherever um, and coming back, if you've been there longer than 24 hours, it should be fine in our experience. Most people have been successful doing that. Okay, is there any situation that we would have to go for, we get stuck or we have to go for like the visa interview while we're there, as long as we go and come back before both of our current I-94 expires? Yeah, as long as you're going and coming back before the current I-94 expires, there shouldn't really be a situation where you would get stuck in Mexico as long as you're coming back less than 30 days. Um, yeah, the main thing that is not guaranteed is that technically CBP doesn't need to give your wife the H-1B extended end date, so that it isn't a guarantee. Um, it seems to be a better chance of that if you're, like I said, traveling by air, traveling together. Um, but there shouldn't really be a situation where you wouldn't be admitted back into the U.S. because with automatic revalidation, that guarantees that you would be at least admitted back into the U.S. for as long as your current I-94 is. Right. So, but since my H-4, um, like all three applications are going together, is there any possibility that uh, the H-4 could be approved in premium processing as well or that they're not doing that now? For the most part, not. We've noticed it in a couple of isolated incidents where the I-539 is getting approved around the same time as the I-129, but it's very, it's pretty rare. It's still taking, I would say, four to six months for the I-539s to be processed, even if the H-1B is in premium. So we... Hey, hi. Thank you for giving me today. Uh, so I have two questions here. So I have applied for 485 in the month of July this year in EB2. Uh, I have EAD in hand. I got in September and probably I'll get my AP document next week. So my first question is, now that I have EAD in hand, uh, can I uh, switch employers? Uh, like you know, it's not even 180 days now that I've applied for 485. I've applied for 485 in June and applied mm -hmm. for, uh, sorry, uh, I've applied for I-140 in June and 485 for July. So it's not 180 days uh, from the time I've applied my I-140. So 
can I switch employers now with EAD in my hand or do I need to wait for 180 days from the date I have applied for uh, I-140? So it is safest to wait the 180 days from the I-485 receipt notice date, the receipt date on the I-485 receipt notice. Um, the reason for that is technically it's not absolutely required the main thing, if you were to switch jobs before 180 days, but your current I-140 petitioner keeps the I-140 approved, technically you can change jobs earlier than 180 days. The main risk is if the company withdraws the I-140 before the 180 day mark, then your I-485 falls through as well. And you would need to basically restart the perm and I-140 with a new company from the beginning, um, which, you know, you wouldn't, you can retain your priority date, but because by the time a new perm is processed with a new company, you know, the priority dates have gone back to 2012, unless your priority date is earlier than April 2012, you wouldn't be able to file the I-485. So unless you are yeah. very, very confident that your current company would not withdraw the I-140 upon you leaving, I would definitely recommend waiting the full 180 days. Okay, so basically 180 days from the 485 receipt date, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, also, is the I-140 approved? You mentioned it was yes. filed in June. Okay. If the I-140 yeah. is approved and 180 days have passed since the I-45 receipt date, then then you're safe after that. Okay, okay. So my second question, like, you know, if I receive my AP document next week, I'm planning to travel to India. So I have my H-1B, current H-1B extension until the June of next year. Um, now that, like, you know, uh, it's very tough to get a date for stamping and all that, right? So for H-1B, I'm saying, so can I use my AP document uh, while traveling back? Uh, I, I haven't traveled to India uh, in the last nine years. I don't have the visa. Yeah, if you have the advanced parole in hand, that should be fine to use it to travel. Um, that's not a problem. So, yeah, if I use AP document, uh, will I automatically convert to EAD or can I still maintain my, H maintain my H1B until it's uh, expiry date in the June of next year? It's a bit of a gray area. If you are coming back into the US using your advanced parole, there is a way to get back into H1B status without having to travel if your company files an H1B extension for you. Um, or if you were to switch to a new company, if they file a transfer for you, that might qualify also. So you can get back into H-1B even if you've used the advanced parole to travel, but it is a bit of a gray area from the time you have entered using your advanced parole until another H-1B application is approved for you. It's kind of a gray area whether you're on H-1B at the time or if you're using the EAD. Um, the law isn't that clear on it, but if you intend to maintain your H-1B, there is a, you can do so after coming back on AP. So for maintaining it, I have to apply for an extension. Is that what you're trying yeah. to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then once the I-94 is attached to the H-1B application, that means you're back in H-1B status. Okay. Thank you. Uh, sure. I do.
Hi. Thanks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Um, so I got my green card. Uh, however, uh, when my wife uh, for ratify petition was denied uh, with the message that um, you know they did not receive the medical RFE response uh, within uh, 180 days. Although we did responded with all three of us uh, medical forms, and me and my son got the green card. Um, so um, I'm just trying to understand. Um, our attorney said that, you know, apply for the I-290B and we applied for that uh, mm -hmm. request to reopen and it has been pending for five months. So I want to understand, you know, what is the process and what are my options? Okay. Um, let's see. Does your wife by chance have any independent like H-1B status of her own? No, she, okay. she was on H-4. Okay. Is she still here in the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you do need to discuss with your attorney because if it's coming up on five months, what you don't want is to have her cross like the six month mark of having uh, unlawful presence, which could affect any future applications. Hopefully the, if it is just a clear USCIS error, which it sounds like it was, the hope is that they will just move on the motion to reopen pretty quickly, reopen the I-485, it sounds like they misplaced her medical exam, then, you know, at least give an opportunity for her to resubmit a medical exam. Um, but if they are not uh, doing so, you know, within the next few weeks and you want to avoid the six month mark, um, I mean, the only other option is to maybe as a backup, have her file the I-130 on her behalf, just to have something in the family-based um, process as a backup, but that won't really give her immediate status. Um, I would probably consult with your attorney who worked with you to file the motion to reopen to try to follow up with USCIS to get a response before the six month mark. It sounds like it should be reopened and it will be fine, but you kind of want certainty on that before it's been 180 days. Yeah, yeah, we were told that, uh, you know, usually they, they will respond, but it has been almost six months. So yeah, that is a bit unusual because for something that is a clear USCIS error, usually the service center or field office will respond within 30 days or so. If it's been five months, that is quite a bit longer than usual. Um, I would see if you can maybe get assistance from the ombudsman, maybe through your attorney um, to kind of follow up on this case because it is kind of an unusual situation for, in that case. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Hey, Rebecca, got a question for you. Uh, I'm currently working in Minnesota and then uh, I'm planning to move to Texas. I have a pending uh, I-45, I got my EAD advanced parole, and also I'm on H-1B through 2024. So I'm, I'm planning to relocate uh, to Texas with the same job. And my lawyer is saying that he doesn't really have to do anything. I, just, I can simply move from Minnesota to Texas. Is that right? Um, so if you have the EAD and you are okay with no longer being on H-1B status, then that's correct. 
if you know you can continue your work authorization using the EAD, which doesn't require filing any paperwork in order to um, you know change to a different MSA. If you're going to if your salary changes, it doesn't require filing any H1B amendments. It is much more flexible. Um, if for some reason you're intending to stay in H1B status, though, um, then an H1B amendment petition would need to be filed by the company in order to authorize you to move to a new state. Um, is there anything with your case that made you want to stay on H1B for some reason? Do you have like children that are nearing 21 or? Nope, nope, everything's good. I've been working with the same employer for the 12 years and I don't intend to leave the employer any any near okay. future. So my case is pretty simple forward, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm more of a poultry industry rather than a, a technical or any engineering side. I work in the poultry industry. That's fine. Yeah, it doesn't um, you know really make a difference on the industry. It's the same with the um, EAD for you know whether you want to stay on H1B or just use the EAD. The EAD is a lot more flexible. So um, also if the it, the H-1B is company sponsored. So it does, it's up to the company to decide ultimately whether to file an H-1B amendment. So they may be advised by their attorney that, um, you know, they're aware that you have an EAD that doesn't require you to file an amendment, which would, you know, save the company money and filing fees and everything for the amendment. So they, if they ultimately decide not to do the H-1B amendment, then that's kind of your only choice of using the EAD anyway. But yeah, that's fine. There's nothing risky about that unless there are, you know, there are a very small kind of number of circumstances where you do want to stay on H-1B, but that's usually if you have, you know, a child at risk of aging out or some other risk factors with your I-485 application, like criminal history or immigration violations or something like that. Um, absent those, then I, yeah, it should be fine to just use the EAD card. Okay. Um, so, sorry, we'll have to close the conference here for today. Um, I know there are some questions in the chat that I wasn't able to get to, but um, the next conference will be Monday at 3.30 p.m. Yeah, the same central time. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.